Welcome to the Where There's a Will, There's a Way podcast with Coulter Legal, where we share our insights and bust some myths on wills, estate planning and deceased estates. I begin today by acknowledging the Wadawurrung people, traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording this podcast today. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening to this podcast. Hi, and welcome back to the Where There's a Will, There's a Way podcast with Coulter Legal. I'm Stefan Manch. I'm a principal lawyer and head of the Wills and Estates team here at Coulter Legal. Uh, And this is our podcast all about um, wills and estates and estate administration and those sort of matters. Now, uh, on our episode today, we're joined by Kayla Kennedy, uh, who's an associate in our wills and estates and succession planning team. And today we'll be talking all about testamentary trusts or trusts within wills. Uh, so welcome, Kayla. Thanks for coming on board. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, we're, we're very lucky to have you on. This is your first podcast uh, episode with us. Um, and I'm really excited to pick your brain today uh, about the topic of, of testamentary trusts. But before we get into that deep vault of excitement, um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? So you, you, your career and how you came to join our team at Colter Legal? Yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously I'm an associate here at Colter Legal. Uh, I am a Geelong local. Uh, I have a little 15-month-old who keeps me very busy. Um, and when I don't have my mum hat on or my lawyer hat on, um, I'm teaching reformer Pilates at a local studio. Awesome. Um, yeah. In terms of my career pathway, essentially. So while I was studying law, um, at Deakin in Geelong, um, I actually got a part-time job working as a receptionist at a small local law firm. And it was in this role that, uh, I was exposed to, wills and estates for the first time. And that's sort of where my interest um, started. When I did complete my bachelor degree um, and when I was completing my practical legal training, um, also known as PLT, mm-hmm. um, I moved into my, oh, sorry, moved into a uh, law clerk role where I was sort of assisting drafting wills, powers of attorney and being exposed to um, probate applications and letters of administration and, and all of that in terms of deceased estates. When I was admitted, uh, which was back in June 2019, um, I then took on the um, role of becoming a graduate lawyer and started my practising, which was awesome. So um, from there I was still working in that um, small law firm. And then it was back in 2020, so COVID, um, where I just completed my first year of practice where I came across a job opportunity to work at Coulter Legal as a junior lawyer. Um, at that point um, in my career, I think I definitely wanted to change. And for my ongoing and professional development, I think it was the best move for my family um, and for me. And it's crazy to believe I've been here now three years. It's gone really, really quickly. Um, and I was, yeah, uh, I was and still am very pleased that you came across to, to join our team at Coulter Legal um, because I was uh, also, well, we've got um, some uh, some professional history in that I 
um, did work with you previously at that other firm for a, a, a period of time and um, was luckily enough to move your admission. So we've um, been keenly watching your legal professional career so far and, and here's another first for us today on the podcast. So that's great. Um, now, in previous episodes, um, we've talked about the estate planning process in detail uh, and the various options available, you know, and considerations for people building or updating their estate plan. Uh, and one of the elements we will have touched on is testamentary trusts. Um, but today we're going to take a bit more of a deep dive, you know, into that particular element of the state, the estate plan, and that is utilising a trust or trusts within your wills um, for the benefit of, of beneficiaries. So, Kayla, so we can start at the, at the very top. Can you take our listeners just briefly through what a trust is? Absolutely. So a trust is a legal entity uh, that holds assets on, sorry, for the benefit of um, a person or class of persons, mm -hmm. but is separate to those individuals. So a trust is controlled by appointed persons. So trusts are utilised when an individual wants to have the benefit of certain assets, but they don't want to hold them in their own name. Right. So the reasons for this may be for asset protection purposes, whether that be to protect a certain person from personal claims or claims associated with a role held by that person, with the director, um, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, tax advantages as well as um, potentially transferring of, sorry, transfer of wealth advantages. Okay. So, and, and so trusts can be set up in a few manners as well. So either during someone's lifetime, so you could set up a trust today and benefit a group of people, um, or they can be set up in a person's wills such that it's activated only when they pass away um, and some assets from the estate sort of make their way from the estate into a trust. Um, today we'll be just talking about those trusts which are set up in a person's will um, and those are commonly referred to as testamentary trusts or family will trusts. I think we'll use the term testamentary trusts predominantly um, but those are a few terms that you might hear. So Kayla, do you mind explaining the difference between a will which gives gifts or assets directly to benef uh, beneficiaries, so in their own name, and one which creates a testamentary trust or trusts? Definitely. When most people think about a will, they generally think and refer to a simple or standard will. Mm -hmm. By a standard will, when a will maker passes away, the assets pass directly from the estate to the individual beneficiaries and becomes their personal assets. This is totally fine. Um, for many situations, however, it does have a um, the potential to have a few negatives. Mm -hmm. The estate assets becomes part of that person's matrimonial asset pool, which potentially could be divided by a family court if there was a relationship breakdown. Okay. There are no limitations on how that individual may decide to apply those assets as well. Okay, so complete freedom. Yep. Absolutely. And the assets become available to pay creditors or to pay settlements if that individual is sued. Right. So either in their personal or professional capacity, so such as doctors, accountants, um, company directors, mm -hmm. as previously mentioned before. As the assets um, become those of the individual, any income which is also derived from those assets 
is taxable entirely in the hands of that person at their marginal tax rate. Mm-hmm. There is no um, ability to share that income with other family members. Okay. So so if I just summarise quickly, so that's the, the simple will is kind of as it's called. It's, it's, it's fine, I think, for simple circumstances and where maybe the, the wealth isn't a huge amount or where there isn't, you know, any of the beneficiaries don't have any potential complexities like a, a potential relationship breakdown or that they have those roles that, you know, might be um, might put them at risk of being sued. Um, but, um, you know, for those, for the scenarios outside of those really simple circumstances, there are those potential negatives with a, a simple will. Spot on. Yeah. So, so then what about... Um, a will that incorporates a testamentary trust? Yeah, of course. So when a will is prepared that incorporates testamentary trusts, instead of those assets going to the individual directly, those assets will pass into a trust which is established by the will. Although the trust isn't activated until that willmaker passes, via their will, the willmaker gets to decide who controls that trust Mm -hmm. And who can benefit from that trust. Okay. So this can provide a number of benefits, which stems from the intended beneficiary, not owning those assets personally. So some of these benefits may include asset protection. So assets not automatically in the marital asset pool. Mm -hmm. Um, Although um, we'll discuss a little bit of this further um, shortly, sorry. Um, can limit um, to various degrees how and when beneficiaries receive the funds and how those funds are managed. Mm -hmm. Those assets are better protected from creditors, so good option for those in professions with personal liability attached. Mm -hmm. As the trust holds the assets and not the individual, then the income derived from those assets doesn't all have to be attributed to that one person. We'll also get into this a little bit more later on. Okay, great. So, so that's okay. So that's a really good example of the distinction. So, the the simple will um, assets go direct to the beneficiary. The beneficiary's got to deal with whatever consequences come of that. Um, assets go from will to or from estate to a trust. Um, th- there's a whole lot more control over um, who benefits from it, um, who pays tax on it. Um, and and those protection benefits as well. Great. Okay, so you mentioned that the willmaker gets to decide on who controls the trust and who can benefit from it via their will. So I'll I'll delve into that in a little bit of detail. So that the willmaker basically gets to decide on six major factors. That is the appointor. So and that's a person who we have they have overall control of the trust, and they can hire or fire the the trustee, so so they don't make day-to-day decisions but they have all the control. Then there's the trustee. They make the they have the day-to-day control, make the day-to-day decisions about distributing money, all of the investment decisions, those sort of things. But they are uh, they could be hired or fired by the appointor. Um, there's then the primary beneficiary or beneficiaries, so the, the main individuals who the willmaker wants to benefit. So we can probably think about this as an example as the, the child or a child of the, the willmaker. Then there's the general beneficiaries. And so this is a class of individuals who sit by relationship to that primary beneficiary underneath them. So you can imagine spouses, children, 
further lineal descendants of that child of the willmaker, um, they can decide what are we up to number five, um, what assets can be distributed by the trust. Um, so some trusts might want that only to be income that's derived from the assets. So the sort of pool of capital sits there forever and just creates income and the income goes out to the benefit of those beneficiaries. Um, or uh, that they can divide out some of that capital as well. So they can take chunks of the, the actual core assets of the trust out and give those to the beneficiaries. So those are some big decisions um, that the, the will maker gets to make. So there's a lot within those, obviously, those will maker decisions to unpack. So let's start with the beneficiaries. Um, so Kayla, can you explain how trusts can have primary beneficiaries and then that broader class of other beneficiaries and kind of how that all works? Sure. Testamentary trusts are generally known as discretionary trusts. Mm-hmm. That is, there is, a, sorry, a discretion as to who can actually benefit from the trust mm-hmm. and that none of the potential beneficiaries have a fixed interest or entitlement. Therefore, most testamentary trusts will have a primary beneficiary being the person who the willmaker intends to primarily primarily benefit from the estate assets. And so that's maybe the, the adult child of the willmaker, you know, somebody yes. who's closely related who... You know, in a simple will, they just get the assets, but for a testamentary trust, they're the person who's meant to benefit, so they're the primary beneficiary. Cool. Yeah, correct. So then you then have the general class of beneficiaries Mm -hmm. who can also benefit from the trust and they are usually determined by relationship to the primary beneficiary. Okay. This general class will usually include the children, grandchildren and lineal descendants of that primary beneficiary Mm -hmm. and can also include or exclude the spouse or the partner of the primary beneficiary. Mm -hmm. This class is also determined by that willmaker. Right. So the willmaker gets to decide who's in or out, basically, who can benefit. Absolutely. Um, And and so it's possible for any of the primary beneficiaries and anyone in that class of general beneficiaries to receive a benefit from the trust. Um, and and the, the party who has the discretion to decide on that distribution of benefits from the trust is the trustee. Um, so this can be, you know, the trustee can be one or more people. Um, and again, depending on the circumstances of the willmaker and the family, the initial trustee is often the same person as the primary beneficiary. Yes. So again, if we're using our example, it's the, the child of the willmaker. Um, and they can act either alone or with somebody else, so as a bit of a team. Or um, sometimes the willmaker will determine to keep the primary beneficiary out of this role um, if they m- maybe they're vulnerable or they're in financial difficulty um, or, you know, if they really want to maximise that asset protection you know, that primary beneficiary might get a benefit, uh, but they might not actually be in control of the Correct. trust. Yeah. So, and I guess the important thing to understand is that having that big group of potential beneficiaries, that this is what gives trust their tax advantages as well. So in the income from the trust assets can be distributed to any of those potential beneficiaries of the trust. So let's say children, grandchildren, um, spouses, you know, more lineal descendants, um, and it, they, they can make that determined based on who's going to pay the most, uh, the least amount of tax, um, based on you know their own 
marginal tax rates and personal income. There's also a, a trust tax rate, which could be taken advantage of um, so income can be retained by the trust if they don't want to divvy it out each year. Um, and the trustees can also be used to bolster the asset protection of the trust, you know, based on the primary purpose for, for u- utilising it. So I think that covers the trustee role broadly as far as we're going to today. Um, Kayla, can you get into a little bit more detail about the role of the appointor? No problem. So the appointor role can be considered as the ultimate controller of the trust. Mm-hmm. Um, as you've obviously pointed out, they don't make the day-to-day decisions of the trust, uh, like who the income or the capital is paid to. Mm-hmm but they do have the power to determine who the trustee is and the trustee makes those distribution decisions and day-to-day decisions. So they have ultimate control of the trust. Mm -hmm. The appointers can remove the trustees and replace them with alternative trustees at any time. This is a powerful role and must be determined carefully, again, based on the reasons for using the trust. Right. So that so it's, yeah, the the will maker's got to really consider what their priorities are when they're when they're making these appointments. You know who should have control, who shouldn't. Basically, yes. Yes. Yeah. What on? So there are a few main reasons why our clients might decide to incorporate testamentary trusts into their wills. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple. My first point would be to protect potentially a vulnerable beneficiary from either wasting estate funds or being taken advantage of by external parties. Of course. My second point is to ensure that the assets are left by the willmaker to a beneficiary who are not automatically available or accessible in the case of a relationship breakdown or other creditor action. Right. So we know that there's a beneficiary who might be at risk of that. That's a good reason to put a, a, a trust in the will. And then my final point would be to maximise the benefit of the estate assets for the primary beneficiary, particularly if they are already high income earners or have minor children who are able to take advantage of the full adult tax-free threshold for distributions from a testamentary trust. Right. So that, that third reason is really, you know, things are fine for the primary beneficiary. This will give them, you know, a mechanism to to best maximise the benefit that they get from the estate funds. So, yes. So, great. Okay. Um, and so then the, the willmakers can also determine what comes out of the trust. So that is can only income earned from the trust assets be distributed, as we talked about earlier, and just maintain the capital so that, that you know, for the benefit of future generations. Um, and so that's more about, I guess, a, a legacy, so like providing for maybe multiple generations with that income. Um or does the willmaker give freedom to distribute both income and capital assets from the trust? Um, and again, with the clients we see, this will very much be determined by the willmaker's intentions and the circumstances of the primary beneficiary. So they need, do they need to be protected? Does the willmaker want to make sure that they provide for multiple generations and this wealth kind of continues to sit there? Um, or are they happy to say, look, here's your structure you take out whatever you need on top of the income um, and they leave that sort of flexibility there. We also mentioned that um, trust created by will can be compulsory um, or they can be activated at the discretion of a, a primary beneficiary following the death of the willmaker. Um, so can you explain a little bit more about how that works? 
Yeah, absolutely. Again, this variation will, de- will be primarily dependent on the purpose of including trusts in the will. So if a trust or trusts are included for the primary purpose of protecting the primary beneficiary beneficiaries, mm-hmm. it is likely that the trusts will not be optional. Mm-hmm. It will be determined by the will that the trust will be established on the passing of the will maker without the discretion of the primary beneficiary. Right. However, when trusts are included for the flexibility and potential tax advantages they provide, mm-hmm. it will be beneficial for the trust to be optional for each primary beneficiary, dependent of each other. Mm-hmm. The flexibility here will also extend to how much that beneficiary's entitlement actually flows into the trust. Mm-hmm. It does not have to be 100% of the entitlement mm-hmm. such that the primary beneficiary can decide to, for example, apply a portion towards paying off their mortgage with the balance to go into a trust for investment purposes. Right. So so with wills, we can either make these um, the testamentary trusts as flexible as we want. So we can say, here's the option to use them, use them if you want. And, you know, we, we often see families where say there's three adult children, they're all in very different places in their lives, they've got different family makeups, they've got different jobs, they've got different, uh, they're at different levels of wealth themselves. Um, And so you can see there where it would make sense to make those trust optional for each of them because one might decide, no, we just need to take that full amount of our entitlement and like you said, maybe pay off a mortgage and and deal with it that way. You might have another child who says, well, I'm going to take you know a hundred thousand off the top and pay off my mortgage but keep the rest in a trust we might have a third where they say no i don't you know i'm thankfully i'm debt free what i want to do is maximize the tax advantage because i'm already a high income earner and i'm just going to take it all into the trust um so so it's great it's good good for people to know and our potential clients that you know there is that flexibility there whereas if we have a beneficiary who we know is vulnerable and we know they really need the protection of the trust that probably shouldn't have the option. We can make it so it's it's fixed, it's not optional, and so that the the funds pass into the trust regardless um, on the, the death of the willmaker. That's great. Um, and so we really can tailor those structures to suit exactly what's needed by the family members, you know, of the willmaker at any point, um, which is, I guess, what makes them so useful and, and a, a flexible mechanism for the transfer of wealth. Absolutely. And there is also the option to set up a single trust to benefit a number of beneficiaries together, mm-hmm. which can be better for asset protection or to provide a separate testamentary trust for each family member who is a benefit from the estate. Mm-hmm. Um, Stefan, can you think of a good case study or scenario where testamentary trusts worked perfectly for a family? Sure. Um, so if I, you know, go back to that family structure of, you know, the, the will maker is the parent and there's there's three adult children. I'm going to use a slightly different scenario from before, but, um, you know, for, for if we say child one, um, um, unfortunately their relationship's a little bit rocky um, and they um, are concerned that, you know, or they've just started the separation process. Um, for the will maker, they're going to want to make sure that whatever they pass to that child is not going to be either, you know, automatically gobbled up in that that um, division of assets between child 
number one and, and their former partner. Um, so for that scenario, testamentary trust would be great. And we'll use a mix of appointors and trustees and, and beneficiary provisions to make sure that we provide the, the best level of protection for that particular child. Um, one of the things we might also do is exclude that that spouse as a potential beneficiary of the trust. So that sort of structure would work great for that particular child. If we move on to child two, um, they uh, are a, a, a doctor. Um, they have really high income, um, lucky them. <laughs> uh, so, that, so they're in a position where they will really benefit from the tax advantages of the trust. Um, but also they'll benefit from the asset protection but in a different way because they carry some personal liability due to their job. So Definitely. They're, they're, they're wanting to protect those funds if they get sued. Um, so that situation worked really, really well um, for child number two. All things going well, it's a great structure tax-wise because child number two has got three kids of their own. They're all under 18 and so each of those children can get you know, essentially 20 grand of income from the trust tax-free per year because there are um, special rates that apply for testamentary trusts. I won't go into too much detail about tax today, but there are some really, really great benefits for minors. Um, and so that structure works perfect for child two. Uh, and, and look, let's say child three, um, they, they're all fine on the, the um, they're all fine on the family front, no potential risks. Um, but they've got some significant debt they need to pay off. Um, child number three would benefit from that optional testamentary trust where they could take either the whole amount and pay off their debt and live a very comfortably life, the comfortable life thereafter, or they could take a, a mix of some funds, you know, and pay off some debt and take some funds into the trust and still also reap some of those, you know, good time tax um, uh, benefits from the trust too. Um, the other thing is, if yeah, like you said, if it might be that we have a family where we do one trust for multiple children, um, and that provides again a, a deeper level of asset protection. I think the point is that one, we know that no fam two families are ever the same, no, they're not. and so there'll be different ways which we would apply this. But what it really comes down to is that they give us the flexibility to provide some great benefits, um, and we can set them up in a way that that. Um, maximises their the intention of what they want to provide or what they want to protect against. So really, really great structures. Um, now, we've talked them up a fair bit, um, Kayla, but are there any downsides to the use of trusts that you've come across in practice so far? There are some limited details to definitely consider when mm -hmm. it comes to testamentary trusts. So the first point is the wills and the preparation of it are more expensive. Yep. So the wills are more complex and include the full trust deed for the trust. Right. So by nature of it's just a bit more of a costly process to put them together. Absolutely. Yeah. Trusts have a maximum life of 80 years after the death of the will maker. So the trust can't exist forever. Yeah, right. So it could benefit a few generations, but ultimately we're, you're, you know, you're only ever putting off kind of the, the final, you know, CGT or, you know, whatever yes. it might be at the end of the road, sure. And then also once the trust is established, so this is obviously after the passing of the, the will maker, mm -hmm. trusts have ongoing minor administration costs. So an individual annual tax return for the trust. Has to be done, right. So that's on top of the person's own individual tax yes. returns they have to do. Sure, okay. 
And then also there can be disputes between trustees or beneficiaries, particularly if a single trust is used for the benefit of multiple beneficiaries. Right. So, yeah, and and we talk about that with clients all the time, right? So, you know, we we can do this particular structure and that's going to give the ultimate asset protection, but it might also lead to infighting or, you know, children having to go their ways, in in which case it dissolves the whole thing. Um, So it's really about let's set this up knowing what the potential risks or potential downsides are and making sure that we balance it so that we're not creating unnecessary issues basically. Absolutely. Well, um, Kayla, we've gone really deep really quickly um, on this one. We're just about out of time for the episode um, and I hope this has given our listeners a a bit of an insight into testamentary trusts Um, and I think as as you'll probably agree, really these are tools that are fantastic kind of in our estate planning arsenal Um, but they're really, you know, they're really specifically set up depending on what our clients need. So it's really beyond listening to this podcast, a bit of a conversation next about how and when and why they would be applied. Um, Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Um, The insights were fantastic. Um, I really look forward to having you back sometime on the podcast soon. No, thank you so much for having me. Um, No, it was really good. And yeah, hopefully the listeners, um, yeah, are interested. And if they are, then definitely hit us up and contact us and we can, um, yeah, consider their circumstances and get into it. Absolutely. Well, that was another episode of Where There's a Will, There's a Way podcast with Coulter Legal. Thanks to our listeners for listening and look out for future episodes soon.